Dr. Yes. Michelle Ross, I believe, is on our Zoom line right now. Is that accurate? Hello, Dr. Michelle. Hi there. <laughs> You're talking to Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media and Alyssa Merrill from flowerandtonic.com. And you're, you have a tough act to follow, Michelle. I'm going to let you know right away. Dr. Peter, Peter Grinspoon was just on with us. I'm, I'm hoping that you know that name because his dad, Lester, was really one of the pioneers in, in cannabinoid medicine. And uh, he passed away recently. But Peter is uh, very well known in the Harvard community and in the medical community of cannabis as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know of both of them. And Peter definitely has paved his own way in the cannabis community. Um, and as an author, uh, just like me, I definitely uh, know of all of his work. So very cool to follow up with him. There you go. There you go. It's not, you know, Tom Brady, uh, Cam Newton following up with Tom Brady, but it's close. Anyway, <laughs> I digress to sports all the time. Um, Alyssa's company, Flower and Tonic, uh, reviews CBD products, has them tested, and she's my go-to CBD expert. So I'm hoping mm -hmm. that the two of you uh, can have a little chat about uh, some of the challenges in this CBD industry. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you are a neuroscientist and with fibromyalgia who helps women heal chronic pain with cannabis. That's the first page of your bio. I read very well. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you, your practice, and I guess you have a book out as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I've been in this cannabis field for quite a long time. Um, I actually was one of the researchers trying to study uh, how to get people off of cannabis and other, you know, addictive drugs, uh, which we now know is uh, not so addictive and actually has medical purposes. Uh, so I published my very first paper, goodness, like over 15 years ago, and then actually uh, became involved in cannabis because uh, I had family members that were sick and it could help. Um, and then myself, I actually developed a whole bunch of different medical symptoms. Um, I wasn't quite sure whether I had multiple sclerosis. Um, I ended up with blood clots in my lungs, like so many different things over the years um, and ended up with a fibromyalgia diagnosis. Uh, but cannabis was one of the things that really helped me. And so I pivoted my entire academic career um, partly because I have been sick and I can't really do the same things I used to do as a scientist. I can't chop off heads off of, of animals or anything like that, uh, you know, with nerve damage and things like that. But um, I've really shifted all my work to helping patients with chronic pain, uh, with mood problems, and really love working with women because, goodness, the medical system has stigmatized women so much when they reach out for chronic pain, we're labeled as hypochondriacs and all sorts of things, or given so many different medications that don't really help us or, you know, uh, get us addicted to them, like opioids, for example, or even uh, benzodiazepines. So for me, I have really spent most of my time creating educational online courses, books, uh, programs, really, I've helped train goodness, uh, a ton of the doctors and nurses and health coaches out there. So been really busy, been a vocal advocate, both in uh, education and even in drug reform policy. So I've been in it uh, sort of as as one of the OGs, although I'm not that old, so I can never claim I'm quite as much of an OG as some of the people that have come, uh, you know, before me, but I, I've really dedicated my life to this. All right, Jimmy, we're all set. You can leave now. You can go home early because Michelle and I can talk all day right now. I was going to, but I do qualify as the only OG as an old guy. You know, there's, I know, like I'm excited because your names come up many times and I've never had the pleasure of meeting that before. But yeah, like I've been stuck, you know, as a woman and I'm 40. 
six, except 47, uh, hormones are real. And I mm-hmm. did not know that. Um, <laughs> until I got older and had three kids and yeah, it's, it's crazy how little I, I find the medical community is able to help and support that. So, but I've been stuck still trying to understand more about the endocannabinoid system and neurotransmitters and hormones and how they all kind of, everyone's like, Oh, they dance together. I'm like, if but how do they dance? So like, if I'm taking CBD, is it going to make my estrogen go higher or lower? It's going to balance? No, just don't tell me. I think, and I love, you know, I think I had that also, I came from pharma. So very much mm-hmm. of a, against all this kind of thing. I, I really was afraid of supplements. So I've had a complete change of perspective, which I think makes us a little more passionate and I get a little louder, but um, it sounds like, uh, yeah, your experiences are, are kind of mirrored. So what what do you, as a, as a neuroscientist, is there, is there information that you know that you want people to be more understanding or aware of? Is there a science that's going to help us understand more? Well, I mean, cannabis and CBD products can impact so much of the brain and body. So, you know, when it comes down to cannabis medicine, really people have to understand it's personalized medicine. Uh, there's no like one product that it will work for everyone. There's no one dose that will work for everyone. We're also different. We have different genetics that influence how we respond to cannabis products. We all have a different medication history and different level of liver health. So that's why it's really important when somebody starts cannabis really to consult an expert because you never know really how you're going to react to some of these products or if you're using it right. Um, I think that's why the near CBD gummies and everything is gonna be cured and it's gonna be great because it does all these amazing things, but it does if you use the right products at the right dose for you. And even those products can change, you know, at the different points in your life, you know, depending on your different level of symptoms or as you go through changes are, you know, as women, right? You, the doses that we might take, you know, before pause and then menopause are gonna be very different. Uh, we're gonna have different, you know, stages of, of our life and, and different needs of our cannabinoid system. So I think that, you know, it's an ever-changing target cannabis medicine. It's a lot more complicated than people think. Um, but I do think that it's something that every person should learn about because we all have an endocannabinoid system and it definitely needs feeding. So migraines, I feel like that's the thing that people are always coming to me about. Someone comes to you and they're like, I, yeah, I mean, I just think that women migraines, it's and now, my gosh, it's it's a major problem. Um, so are you don't, do you see, I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with exactly what you're, what you do, but like, are you looking at clinical trials? Like what would you tell someone who's suffering from migraines right now? Sure. So, um, a lot of the work I do, I actually, uh, work with a company called very heal doing cannabis consultations, as well as in my own practice. Again, I focus more on chronic pain patients, but I okay. do see patients with migraines and, uh, it's important to note that with migraines, it's really important to get consistent levels of cannabis in your system. So not just, okay, smoke a joint when you have a migraine. It's really important to try to prevent migraines if possible, because it's much easier to prevent them than it is to treat them. But we do know from the clinical research, uh, including studies that have happened in uh, the University of Colorado, that any amount of cannabis is helpful for migraines. So, you know, whether you smoke it, you eat it, you take tinctures, well, maybe not the lotions. I don't think maybe putting in cannabis lotion is, is really going to help your migraine, but basically any form of ingestion is going to help. But I do suggest, um, you know, for some patients, it's CBD. For some patients, it's THC. For some patients, it's THC and CBD. There doesn't seem like to be a magic strain, for example, that somebody can smoke and say, this is the one for migraines. Everyone's a little bit different in how they treat uh 
uh, migraine headache, but I do think that some amount of cannabinoids is helpful for almost all patients. Yeah, I, I just, I, I've definitely experienced and received feedback. And my only concern is like rebound. I mean, I, in my opinion, it's rebound that causes like potential addiction or, you know, you have to take more medication to feel better. And I do think that that's, especially with migraines, when those come back, it's like, I think that was the safety in, in some of these uh, prescription medications, right? Like uh, they're long-term. So is that then a, like, yeah, that's where I'm hesitant. So what, is there anything that you can recommend or suggest to people to avoid that? Sure. Um, again, you know, migraine headache isn't my area of deep expertise, but I would say it's say taking something like microdosing, uh, a one-to-one tincture with THC and CBD in it. That way you cover all your bases. If you take something like that in small amounts every day, uh, two to three times a day, you're going to have uh, low amounts of cannabinoids in your bloodstream, and you're going to actually restore an endocannabinoid deficiency that might be the basis of migraine headache. We actually do know that there's some disorders where there's different, you know, imbalances, and the endocannabinoid system is an area where you can have imbalance. And so, you know, feeding that endocannabinoid system, restoring that balance is going to prevent the onset of migraines. And if for some reason, uh, you know, one does come on board, again, what you can do is you can double your dose or triple your dose of uh, what you were, you were taking, whether it was smokable product, a drop, et cetera. But I think that really, again, it's about charting migraines. I've had a lot of patients uh, see a decrease in the frequency and severity of their migraines. So, you know, we haven't had too many patients that are going, you know, oh goodness, we have more migraines after using cannabis. I, I do see it sometimes if they are smoking and or they're not used to smoking and it's actually the inhalation of, you know, some of the toxins associated with cannabis smoke, like ammonia and things like that, that might be triggers for migraines. Uh, but for the most part, patients seem to do right as long as they're not using uh, the wrong products. Okay. You know, it was amazing to me, just little fun facts. I feel like everyone should know this and I, that's, I mean, a follow up. I would love you to share your favorite health tip, but mm-hmm. what was amazing to me was I learned because my house is a mess. Mm-hmm. And I use, I was using Glade plugins because it looked messy, but it smelled good. And <laughs> I had no idea how bad, like I had migraines all the time and I mm-hmm. unplugged those and immediately noticed an improvement. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do I not know that? Like, that's crazy. Like, I, <laughs> I yeah, I, that was kind of insane. Um, but is there like one health safe, like health tip that you wish everyone that, you know, you just would love to get out there. That's your okay. tried and true method that you use for pain or? Um, I mean, for, for me, it's, it's about getting cannabis in there every single day, but also like you said, it's about taking the toxins out of your environment. That's been a big one for me. You have no idea how many toxins are in there from, you know, the lotions that you use, like literally women are coating ourselves in these lotions. And then you look at the back of the label and you're like, goodness, (laughs) you know, you're absorbing all these different things. Um, so if you can go and do like a spring cleaning of your bathroom, but like actually throw out the, the makeup that's not organic, the lotions that not organic. And you can start to like actually build some of these products yourself. Like a lot of lotions are honestly, it's like coconut oil or something or cocoa butter. You can get a magical butter machine and like literally you can make CBD infused lotions. You You can make all the products that you use, but in a safer, more organic way. And for me, you know, cannabis does so much for fibromyalgia, for chronic pain. But if you don't get rid of the other things in your life that are toxic, it's, you know, it's like putting a bandaid, but not treating the real problem. And so for most of us, it's like, 
yes, we have imbalances in our body. Yes, we can restore that balance, but we're always attacking our immune system or attacking, you know, our detox system. Like we're going to be chronically ill. I'm sorry. No, that's wow. such, such good sobering. advice. Yeah. That's and it's it funny when you come from like a background that's so different and then you're mm. here and you're like, wow, it doesn't really matter what I'm eating. And yeah, it's very eye opening. But well, for me, you know, as a fibromyalgia patient, it was sort of funny because here I was, I have this PhD in neuroscience, but as a scientist, uh, I was dunking my hands in formaldehyde and like, you know, touching all these toxins that like, goodness, 10 years later, I would have never even like looked at it without gloves on, you know? Um, and when you're in your twenties, you're sort of a superhero. And then now I realize, you know, what you put on your hands and what you put in your body is so important. And I sort of wish I could go back in time and, and not touched half the things that I did. And so for me, I'm hypersensitive to a lot of things. Um, so really it is about having that clean environment, clean body and clean cannabis. That's so important. Like those memories of talcum powder and my dad, when my dad was getting ready in the morning, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, that was really bad for us. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. I go to corn such. I got I'm going to raise yeah. my hand. Alyssa, okay. You may, you may speak, yes. And I just want to, I just want to ask her. The, she's so we recognize the benefits of a of plant medicine, and and those of us who have enlightened ourselves about cannabis and the endocannabinoid system and the entourage effect and the terpenes that steer the mm -hmm. various cannabinoids in each plant. I want to talk to you about diet, and I want to talk to you about the benefits of a plant based diet, or is it like anything else, it's about balance in your diet. What, what has the most effect, best effect on your body and your metabolism in your body? And is it plant-based diets? Because I, I, I know a few vegans, let's just say. You know, it's interesting. I've explored personally uh, different diets. I've been a vegan. I've been a vegetarian. Uh, right now, I'm actually on the keto diet. So I am uh, on the other end of the spectrum where I'm eating probably more meat and dairy <laughs> products than I have in my entire life over the past five months. Um, wow. For me, it's not actually the content of what you're eating. I think it's important to reduce inflammatory compounds and reduce sugar, which of course is one of the biggest inflammatory compounds. So I know you, you made the phase, you're like the keto oh diet. My oh my goodness. are everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but when you think about it, right? So sugar is really what's causing a lot of damage to our cells. It's, you know, the foundation of why we have an obesity epidemic. So if you can reduce inflammation, you can reduce weight, you can reduce a lot of harms of you know, the American lifestyle on the diet and feel healthier for me. And for a lot of the patients that I work with, um, you know, some of the standard, uh, you know, expected diets, like, okay, eat your veggies, you know, um, the low carb diet, but you know, not cutting, not going into ketosis, like the keto diet doesn't help them as much. They're still getting exposed to massive amounts of sugar um, that's lurking in our sodas or drinks like everywhere. Um, so a lot of patients follow um, healthy diets and don't feel better. So, you know, they still have chronic pain, they still have stomach issues, you know, even if they use cannabis, they're like, I don't feel 100% better. I thought this would all just go away. And for a lot of patients, it's really about refining their diet um, to the point where you've reduced all the amounts of infl inflammation. Some of us have genetics where we're always inflamed. Like, right. you know, we got the, the wrong uh, deck of cards. Um, yeah. For me, I've done that. I've done the 23 and me. I went through like hours of pouring in, doing, going, saying, okay, well, I have this gene, I have this gene, I have this gene. 
I can't eat certain foods, even though I really, really want to, or if I do this, the trade-off is I'm going to have to go exercise all the time. I'm only going to have to do something. And uh, you really have to sort of balance out, you know, what are the benefits of this? Can I actually do this? And, you know, is, is this worth it? Right? Like some people can't live without the eating donuts, right? Um, you know, when you're on the ketogenic diet, you actually have suppressed uh, appetite and you have you sort of lose a lot of the cravings, which is really interesting. You have a like very clear focus and clear head, which is what some people say you see with a plant-based diet. Like, oh goodness, I got out all the toxins. Now I feel like much better and like motivated, but some people don't do good on a plant-based diet. Some people need more vitamins or, you know, they need the protein. You know, I, I think that there's a diet that's right or a couple diets that's right for each patient. I don't think that, you know, plant-based is definitely the right way to go for all patients. Um, but I think it really is something where you have to take a hard look at, you know, what's right for your body. And I don't think that's a easy question. And I don't think that some of these diets, for example, a ketogenic diet is not good for the long term. You can't be on this like three years unless you have a severe condition like epilepsy or something like that. I don't think it's great, you know, but. Well, what's crazy to me. So I, um, I recently and I was like, OK, every neuro, you know, hippie doctor is going to tell me to cut out gluten, dairy and sugar. I get it. I, no, thank yeah. you. I want to live yeah. my life. But <laughs> recently um, I did have, you know, testing done um, and cut out gluten and I was wrong. Like, I feel like I definitely have some of that clarity back, but I did the testing to see it in black and white where I would have never, ever, but I cut it out hardcore because it was just mm -hmm. so there in black and white that there was a issue. But what was amazing is that I was, I recently learned that a physician, and this is a physician, a master general physician who does private practice, mm -hmm. they can't offer testing, like, you know, to test your, to test your allergies or gut testing, things like that, that aren't covered by insurance. And I, that, that was to me, where are you based out of? I should ask that first. So I'm in Nevada. Nevada. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, we don't have holistic doctors. We're in Massachusetts. Um, but I don't know if that's a, a national type of thing, but that if it's not covered by insurance, like a mainstream doctor can't recommend a lot of this testing. Um, um, you know, I'm not really clear about the legal things with that. I do know that, um, you know, there's lots of naturopaths, I believe, in this state and in other states. I lived in California for 10 years before I moved here. I just moved to Nevada, so I don't know all the laws around here. I actually do. Most of my uh, telehealth patients are actually on the East Coast. So, um so I, I don't actually know the laws about uh, Nevada, but you know, there's a lot of uh, take-home tests too. So you know, when patients are like, "Goodness, I, I want to learn more about my health. What are my vitamin D levels? What are my hormones? What are my allergens?" Yeah. You know, there are different companies like Everwell and things like that where you can sort of take your health into your own hands, which you know I do like. But I also do encourage patients to like follow up with a, a clinician that knows what they're talking about, so they're not just like, "Oh, great, this is you know what I think this is," and it's never what they like. They don't understand test results. But I think it is important for everyone to know what their food sensitivities are. Goodness, it's like literally, if you think you have fatigue, for example, or pain, and it's like all you had to do was cut out eggs, for example. It's like that's it. <laughs> you know, How do you have people test for that. What's your if you have a patient, what, where, do, where do you direct them? Do you do that testing or? So I don't. So, um, you know, I really believe in stay in your lane. So I'm a neuroscientist. Um, I work as a health coach and you have to be very careful about the things that you do recommend. Um, so somebody wants testing like that, I would refer them out to a uh, naturopath doctor or DO that, you know, does those things. Uh, for me, I really do focus more on uh, plant medicine. So things that don't uh, 
require uh, an MD, right? Talking about cannabis, talking about kratom, talking about medicinal and psychedelic mushrooms. That's really where I focus on. Um, you have to be very careful because you can't practice medicine, obviously, without a license. That does get you in trouble in many states. So. Very much appreciate you saying that. Yes, thank you. All right. <laughs> My hands up again. I'm going to make another. I'm going to ask a yeah. question of Dr. Ross here for a second, and, and go, I go back to your bio. Um, it says here you were known for breaking boundaries as the first scientist to star mm -hmm. in a reality TV series, um, and that had to do with Big Brother 11, the CBS series. Now I'm not going to ask you about that. Okay. <laughs> okay. What I am going to ask you about, oh. however, is females and science, and you know, for many many years, a lot of times we wouldn't let the females look at the science mm -hmm. world. And now I think we're starting to see more and more. Um, do you see yourself as a role model? Um, you know, I would hope so. When I was on the, the TV show, I was really trying to, you know, have some integrity. I know that there's many different ways to play reality TV games. Some people are lying, cheating, stealing. Um, I really was on there being very honest. Um, and after I got off the show, you know, I got a lot of emails and calls from mothers uh, that were, you know, saying things like, this is the first time my, my daughter ever saw a scientist. She wants to grow up to be like you. It was really cute. Um, so, you know, for me, I've always tried to, you know, be in that role. Uh, for myself, I never actually met a, another female scientist until I was, goodness, 21 years old. I was working an internship at uh, UMass Worcester, actually. Uh, and I finally met a female scientist. There was none in my college, which was really weird. I went to Boston College. Um, and I think it's really important. If you don't see that, you know, somebody who looks like you, who is doing the job that you want, you don't even, it doesn't even come into your head that you could be that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't even know scientists was a job <laughs> until I had seen somebody do that. I really thought only medical doctors was a thing. Um, and that's actually what I went to college for, to be an MD. And then I realized I could be a scientist. This is a thing. People study the brain. This is really cool. So, you know, being able to inspire, you know, some women out there, hopefully some young girls out there to actually be a scientist was a cool thing. There you go. I like that because I know that Alyssa is the mother of three yeah. girls. So I, I'm, I'm always time. thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, yeah, I love what you're doing. And uh, thank you. You're just wonderful things. So. Well, how can people, so you are the CEO of Infuse Partners. How would people get in touch with you in case you would like them to, like to come on to, uh, you know, a, a webinar or interviews or stuff like that? Sure. Well, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Dr. Michelle Ross. So that's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-E-R-O-S-S -S, or at DrMichelleRoss.com. There you go. Boy, I like that when it's so simple. <laughs> you know, I like it when it's so simple, when it's your name or whatever. Um, but again, I really appreciate you taking the time out this Monday and talking with Alyssa and myself about this. And uh, obviously, you've uh, you've done quite well. Now, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a little hint. You you say you just moved to a new state, right? Say that state again. Yeah. Nevada. I know it's probably not even how you say it. So I'm it's, from New Jersey. I say everything wrong. So. Well, okay. So I, I was born in New Jersey, so I can relate. Okay. okay. But it's Nevada. And I got I got reprimanded when I was flown out to, to run a workshop there. And I'm calling it Nevada because to me, it sounds much cooler to be Nevada. But it's Nevada. And they made I it. I know. They made it very clear to me. And I thought I'd give you that hill. And, and I say that in a friendly way, if that's okay. 
Yeah, no, and I normally just say Las Vegas. So there we go. I have to go to like little training. You know, I have to reprogram my brain to say it the correct way. So no, that, that's quite all right. I just thought it would be fun to, to end it that way. But Dr. Michelle Ross, thank you so much for coming on today on our Cannabis Chat uh, Medicinal Monday show. Media.